May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's so much good news in the scripture today. So much good news. The first thing from the Hebrew scripture is that we hear God saying, I am God, there is no other God. And at the same time, God claims God's place as creator, redeemer, powerful and compassionate. God also says, here I am with and in you. To that proclamation, God then invites us to respond in kind. To remember the earlier words in Isaiah and respond to God's presence and God's invitation by saying as well, here am I, send me. And in the gospel, we see just that happening as Jesus heals, heals a woman who is not even given a name, but heals her so that she may continue not in servitude, but in service, which is the core of discipleship, the core of Christ's mission, the main characteristic of the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's, I'm going to focus mostly on Isaiah again uh, today. And this portion that we get in the scripture is from what's known as Second Isaiah. And chapter 40 is a response to a long line of um, uh, argument against idols. And so God, in the voice of the prophet, asks, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? And then there's another, another uh, question there that says, To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal? And those questions can be heard either with sort of a condemning tone, or a tone of invitation to a sense of being astounded by the nature, by the love, by the faithfulness of God. Have you not known? Look at all that there is. Even when you're weary, even when you're in exile and about to return home to a city totally destroyed, as the Israelites were. Even when you are weary, God is not. And God will give you the strength to go on because God is the creator of all. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have it, has it not been told to you from the beginning? To whom 
Then will you compare me, asks God in the voice of the prophet Isaiah. And the first answer to that question is to no one. There is no one and nothing to whom God transcendent, God creator, God who out of a void created everything that there is. Who can be compared to that God? Nobody, no other God. Nothing and no one. And this is a response directly to the worship of images, of, of, of things material, made out of wood or gold or whatever. An echo of the redeemed in the wilderness turning to images of golden calves. It is God saying, I am God. Remember that. I am transcendent. And in the realm of deity, there is no other. And that is good news. That is such good news. And then, and then God speaking through the prophet Isaiah goes on to seemingly completely contradict himself, not only in this chapter, but in all the chapters of 2nd Isaiah, where then he goes on, or God goes on to compare God's self with so many things. There's an article that I commend to you. I read it after listening to a podcast that, that mentioned it. And the, 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 the theologian is a Lutheran theologian which, whose name is Frederick Geyser. And he says, incomparable Yahweh? Yes, Incomparable to other deities, of course, but also incomparable in his willingness to be comparable. To use a wide variety of pictures and likenesses to make God's self known to the hearer or reader of these profound poems. And then Geyser goes on to list all of the comparisons God is portrayed in this section of this second Isaiah. God is portrayed, God likens God's self as redeemer, as savior, as maker or potter, as a rock, as a warrior. God compares God's self to a woman in labor, to a shepherd, to a friend, to a helper, to a lover, to the rear guard, to a mother, to a father, to a nurse, to a husband, a hawker. It might be easier to say, what does God not liken God's self to in Second Isaiah? Now let me, let me, let me pause here and, and issue an invitation. When you pray, and I hope you do pray often. But when you pray, how do you imagine God? And even in these times, it's, it's so easy to, to fall back on comforting traditional images. 
But I invite you, when you pray, to go back to Isaiah and pray with a God whose image is not your go-to image. To expand your understanding of the God who knows us and loves us. Of the God who likens God's self to things that we know and can relate to, to people and occupations to remind us that God is with us. So I invite you to use some of these images in your prayer. And I, I remember early in my ministry when I was in uh, a street mission in El Salvador, and I it was right out of seminary, and I was so gung-ho and um, reading all these wonderful theologians. And I, I'm still gung-ho, obviously, but, but this was just a very learning experience. And I, I, I was in El Salvador, and I was working with this wonderful youth group I'd pulled together, and we were doing a project of murals. And my thought was we were going to do murals and distinct images of, of God that we, we, you know, we, as we prayed and we talked theologically, about how God is present in our lives, we were going to come up with something sort of new. And, and when it was time to, and we did some of that, but when it was time to uh, paint the mural of the Most Holy Trinity, which is what the mission was called, Most Holy Trinity, the youth group was like, Reverenda, we're going to go with Father, Son, and the Dove. And it was because that was an image of comfort and sustenance and compassion. So I'm not saying to forget our traditional images, but I am inviting you 25 years after I first started trying <laughs> to also think of God in ways that maybe you haven't before, to expand your understanding and to realize that God cannot be just one thing. There is one God, but God is all in all. I was reminded of this because just recently I was speaking to someone who is struggling with their faith, given up on it, in fact, and it pained me, not because I, I'm not in a judgy way, but just in a, in a, in a, in a way of wanting this person to know how much they are loved by God. And so I said, when you can't see or perceive or know God, in any other way, please see and perceive God in the love that others have for you, in the support that others have for you. God is saying, I am here when you reach out your hand to a friend or to a pastor or to a parent, and they show love and support. These days, it's so hard for many to maintain 
to maintain hope or a sense of God's presence because this pandemic has gone on so long, because racism is still so powerful, because people that they know and love are suffering. There are many reasons, and yet this beautiful poetry from the prophet Isaiah reminds us in God's own word that God will help us when we grow faint and become weary to persevere, to persevere. God says, here I am in all of these images, these powerful images, calling you to renewal and rebirth and to healing. Two of the images that Isaiah shares of God are images of strength. Well, more than that, but there's the, the warrior and a woman in labor. They portray one God whose strength is like a man of war and like a woman in labor. One image is incomplete without the other, Geyser says. So the mighty warrior and the mighty woman both give birth and release for God's people. It's not that sometimes God is strong and sometimes God is tender, he continues, but God's strength is also God's tenderness. God's tenderness is also God's strength. So we have these images, and what is really beautiful and theologically magnificent, Geyser says, around these, these poetic images is that the language used recalls the language in Genesis where God says he made humankind in God's image and likeness. And so as the prophet speaks to us, about how God is imminent in our lives. The one God is eminent in our lives, all around us, with and in us. He uses that same word, God is like. The same word he used to say God created us in God's image and likeness this beautiful dynamic of language continues in the gospel where when Jesus heals this woman who does not even given a name, she's just referred to in her relationship with others, Peter's mother-in-law. She's feverish and in bed and very ill, near death. And Jesus goes and heals her. And she gets up and serves, which always kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit, because, you know, as, always, as a youngest daughter, you know, I was always the one in the kitchen having to <laughs> clean the dishes while the brothers sat and watched the Super Bowl. Anyway. 
But this is not servitude. This is service. The word is the same word that is used about the angels that tend to Jesus in the wilderness. It's the word used to describe the very core of what it means to be a disciple, diakonia, service. And so we are called by the one God to see God's presence, to be strengthened when we are weary, and to rise even in our weakness to service, to service of that God who is compassionate and strong who is just and merciful. Yesterday was the uh, 10th anniversary of the death of a friend of my husband's, who was a great theologian, a Spaniard, who went to El Salvador to dedicate his life to service of those uh, who were living in poverty and in the middle of war and oppression. Miguel died of cancer, but he left behind not only theological writings, but songs and lyrics that are really beautiful and help us, like the prophet Isaiah, to expand our images of Christ and our notions of where we might meet Christ. And in one song in particular that I, I love very much, I'm just going to share a couple of the lyrics before I, I end, and that's um, Cristo Mesoamericano. And that means Mesoamerican Christ, the Christ of the Americas. And he, he invites us, and he names Christ. Christ is black, Christ is Mayan, Christ is Lincoln, Christ is Galilean, Christ is the worker, Christ is the seamstress, Christ is the girl, the homeless girl on the street, Christ is the child sniffing glue on the street, Christ sweats from cutting coffee, Christ is the poor day worker, but Christ is the Christ of the mistreated, calling us all to a new day and to liberty and to work in the service of healing this world. Christ is a Christ of hope and of life and the root of the good news. And so my friends, I end by saying, have you not known, have you not heard that our God, Christ, Spirit, is with us always. Amen.